All right, let's check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. Dylan, let me just say, uh, give Abba another listen. (laughs) (laughs) All I was saying is I'm happy just listening to old Abba. I don't need new hologram Abba. That's all I meant. (laughs) Well, it's not just about money, 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 if I may quote an Abba lyric. Um, anyway, look, yeah, I, I find when they come on the radio, I, I would, ju- I always just get a little lift in my spirits because ABBA is so infectious and so upbeat. So if they can pull it off again, and I have my doubts like you, uh, well, more power to them. That is true. Very, very true. All right, let's uh, find out what uh, we're talking about today. Uh, sounds like, or looks like, with the numbers of people registering to get uh, their shots, that this idea of a vaccine certificate is working. Yeah, sticks work. We've seen it elsewhere. You know, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to persuade people to get vaccinated. They spent a lot of time offering some positive incentives and seen elsewhere that uh, for the for the people who just haven't gotten around to it, uh, for the people who still have questions, um, an incentive, uh, get vaccinated so you'll be able to get access to all these, you know, services and events and hockey games and all sorts of things uh, pubs and nightclubs and everything. Uh, an incentive to do that, get get yourself vaccinated so you can get a vaccine card, so you can get access. It does work. And I think we've seen initially uh, fairly encouraging reports, uh, a surge in registrations. Um, you still have to make it convenient for people. They still have to answer questions from the people who are genuinely hesitant and genuinely have questions. But I also think you're seeing that, hey, uh, there's a deadline looming. Uh, September the 13th is the first deadline. Uh, October 24th is the second deadline. Um, You're going to have to get this done if you want that access. And I think you're starting to see the payoff uh, for the government, which is, yeah, it works. People are signing up. Uh, There's been a surge in registrations, a surge in vaccinations. And as long as they follow it up with lots of access, lots of clinics, I think they're going to get closer to the goal. Still, what, more than 700,000 British Columbians not vaccinated, even with the recent surge. Yeah, and do you think there's going to be any pushback, or what are you hearing as far as pushback? We're seeing some, yeah, I think there is some pushback. And and one of the reasons, look, I've been critical of the government for, for how slow they've been on this file, but I think one of the reasons for hesitation was they wanted to be able to say they tried everything else, before they move to a, a bit of a stick uh, approach, coercion, and disincentives to stay unvaccinated. Uh, and yes, we're seeing some pushback. Uh, we've seen, uh, and I see there's been a fair amount of action on social media on this. Businesses saying, well, we're not going to enforce this mask mandate and we're not going to demand this stuff from our customers. I, I, it's an interesting strategy to me. I, I really question the wisdom of that as a business decision. Because, yes, the people who were really dug in and really opposed to masks and maybe also opposed to vaccinations uh, may patronize your business. But most British Columbians are vaccinated and most British Columbians support uh, incentives to get vaccination and weigh masks. So, you're kind of marginalizing yourself. Uh, I think there's lots of people out there like me who, uh, 
if a business is making a big show of, hey, we're not going to make people uh, get masked up and we're not going to check their vaccine cards, uh, I'm not going near that business. And I think, uh, you know, I'm not alone in that. I think, again, if you look at the numbers, uh, it's a strange business decision. You're really marginalizing yourself just to pander to the, the real profound skeptics out of there with their backs up. Yeah, it is, especially like you say, when you look at the numbers and where we're at with people, there are far more people vaccinated than not at this point. What about the numbers? We're starting to get more information breaking down the hospitalizations, people who are partially or fully vaccinated. Yeah, so there there are, I mean, we haven't had these kind of numbers up to date, so we're only getting them this week really for the first time. And they're they're showing something we were told to expect, that as the number of British Columbians who were vaccinated or at least had their first dose, so they haven't got the second, so they're considered under-vaccinated. As those numbers rose, the pool of people who, it's a small number in terms of percentages, but the pool of people who are still vulnerable because of pre-existing conditions or because of their age or because they're in in the small group who can still get COVID-19, even if they're vaccinated, that number would rise. And we're seeing that. It's still a very small number of people in absolute terms in British Columbia, but it's starting to rise. Well, 20% uh, some of the new cases now, and it depends on which set of numbers you look at, uh, are um, people who are vaccinated or people who are under-vaccinated, uh, the, just the first dose. So, you know, we're told to expect this, and if you look at it, we, don't, we aren't getting, Jill, the breakdown of how many of these are people with pre-existing conditions in the vulnerable group. It's on the rise. The thing not to lose sight of on this is that overwhelmingly your risk of getting COVID-19, your risk of being uh, one of these long haulers where the effects don't go away, your risk of being hospitalized and your risk of going into the ICU, all of that is much greater if you're not vaccinated. So that's still the situation. There's still much less risk of getting COVID-19 if you're vaccinated. And the risk of getting COVID-19 is still much, much greater if you're under vaccinated. So, but you know, uh, yes, uh, the government, we talked about this this week, Jill, Uh, the government kind of rushed into this. Uh, The explanation on the rollout wasn't as clear as it might have been. And yes, of course, there are lingering questions, and I think that's the reason you've got Adrian Dix on this morning on your show, is uh, he's going to be trying to communicate all this stuff because, as we know, some of it's complicated. Uh, do you think people are surprised, or, or what kind of reaction did you have when we found out about the deaths? So was it 10 deaths that occurred in long-term care? This is an issue that I think needs more explanation. So in the middle of uh, one of the press conferences this week, I think it was Tuesday, Dr. Bonnie Henry, uh, in defending the need for a vaccination mandate in long-term care, said in passing, and it was just in passing, that 10 of the recent deaths in BC, which is a lot, were in long-term care. And if you put that together with what they've said repeatedly about long-term care, which is virtually every resident of long-term care is vaccinated, you go... 
So how did COVID-19 get into those long-term care facilities? They didn't say, but I'm guessing it's staff or visitors who were probably not vaccinated. When they announced the restrictions on long-term care recently, Jill, they admitted they don't know how many staff in long-term care are still unvaccinated. They're, they're compiling the data, but they don't have it yet. So I think there's still a question, and I, and I hear it from people who have relatives, aged parents, uh, friends in long-term care, which is how vulnerable are these facilities? Have we waited too long to begin compiling the data on staff and begin requiring people to get vaccinated. They are now required, but the full requirement doesn't kick in until October the 12th. The data from Dr. Bonnie Henry, what she said suggests people in long-term care are still getting COVID-19 and tragically, some of them are still dying. Hmm. Well, we will talk more about that coming up. I wanted to quickly uh, shift gears a little bit because uh, there was a bit of news or no news, I suppose, not great news on the Massey Tunnel replacement. Yeah, I mean, we uh, know that uh, right at the outset of the federal campaign, the new Democrats came out. Again, it sounded like a rush job to me that they uh, had finally decided on the replacement for the Massey Tunnel. It was going to be uh, it was going to be another tunnel. It was budgeted at four point one five billion dollars. They didn't release the business plan. It wasn't ready to go yet. And, you know, one was left going, well, why are you rushing it out the door? Well, there's a federal election on and it's a good time to be asking the federal parties for money. Uh, Will you support it? The conservatives jumped at it right away. Oh, yeah, sure. We'll support that. The federal New Democrats jumped at it right away. They'll support it. Justin Trudeau was in Surrey yesterday and God asked the question and he said, "Um, we haven't made up our mind yet. So if they were trolling for federal liberal money, um, they didn't get it. Uh, Trudeau is still on the fence on whether or not they're supporting um, uh, the Massey replacement and supporting in the sense of putting money into it. He said a while back that the money will be there, but that's not what he said yesterday. Um, The liberal federal member, uh, Carla Qualtro, from Delta was at the BC announcement, so I have to think it's a bit of a disappointment for her. I suppose, Jill, it's possible that uh, Trudeau didn't just want to toss it off in a press conference yesterday. He's maybe got a major event planned later. But um, in the middle of a federal campaign, the federal government is supposed to be in caretaker mode. The federal bureaucracy is not supposed to be vetting proposals and approving them. So um, if Trudeau is being honest when he says we haven't decided yet, Um, I guess they could make a political decision to turn around later in the campaign and put the money in there. But um, that's a bit of a disappointment, I have to think, for the New Democrats who were expecting uh, they would get all the federal parties lined up behind this thing uh, to help pay for what is going to be a very expensive project. All right. Uh, Vaughn, we'll leave it there. As always, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.